Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely spiritual you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all to all mortal life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all peoples to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble about for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed the day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads and pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of being able to share your word we thank you for being able to celebrate mothers and their love that is like your love. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just gather in your house as your children. We ask you now that you'll speak to us according to your word, that you'll give us what we need to hear this morning, and that it'll build us up in our faith. We just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul understood what it means to live for the sake of someone else. Because throughout his ministry, once he became a Christian, that's pretty much all he did. He lived for the sole purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that did not have a saving relationship with God yet. People that had not found out about Jesus being the Messiah. People that were still in the dark when it comes to God's plan of salvation through the cross. And so Paul understood what it means to live for others. Today we're celebrating mothers because mothers do too. Mothers live doing so many amazing things for their children and some not so amazing things. How many diapers have mothers changed over your lifetime? How many bottles fixed? How many boo-boos kissed? How many times have they had to 
hold you while you cried yourself to sleep because your friend poked you or did something to you? How many times was your mother there at night to tuck you in or maybe to say a prayer with you at night? Mothers do so much for their children so they understand what it means to live for someone else. When you have a child, you know things just change, right? You never sleep the same. You never eat the same. Everything in your life changes. And I'm speaking of the mothers that love their children. I know not all mothers are, are, are doing these things. But we're speaking about those mothers that have the incredible love of God that would do anything for their children. The kind of mothers that if a car was coming and their kid was on the road would run out there and rush to get their kid off the road before that car came, came and hit them. The kind of mothers that are staying up late at night helping on that school project that they never, had, they never did themselves because their mother helped them do theirs. Those kind of mothers, the ones who are devoted totally to their family, those who are living sacrificially and unselfishly, those who show their love through their actions and not just their words. I share that about a mother's love because in many ways, Paul had a motherly love. His motherly love was for the churches that he was starting. They were like his children. He loved them. He loved every single one of them, even though he got onto them. Mothers do that too to us, right? Even though they, he got onto them, he loved the churches that he had started. They were like his babies. They were like his children. And he had an incredible love for them, a love that was so amazing that Paul even loved people that were not church yet. He loved them before they were even church because he saw the potential in them to come to believe in Jesus and be saved. And that is the case in the scripture that we have today. He shows up in Athens, a Greek city, full of pagan temples, full of pagan worship, a city that really, you could say, was pretty much lost because they had so much idol worship and so many things going on. And he finds out that basically the Athenians have no clue about the true God that he worships. That they don't know about Yahweh, the Jewish God, or Jesus, the Messiah. That they don't have a concept of what it means that they're to, to have one God that created everything in the world that we see and we don't see that basically the Athenians are walking in darkness and not in the light. And so Paul shows up in the Oropagus, which was a place where people gathered together to make all kinds of discussions about philosophy and theology and all kinds of things. People would get there and they would, they would debate each other and talk with each other. He gets there and he gets a chance to speak in front of the Oropagus. And when he does, he gets up and he says, I come to speak to you about the unknown God, the one that you don't know, but I know. The one that you don't know about, but I know personally. 
The God who made the world and everything in it, the one who is Lord of heaven and earth, I know him. Well, the Athenians had to be intrigued by Paul's claim. After all, the Athenians were Greek and they loved knowledge. And here was Paul claiming to have knowledge that they did not possess. Claiming to know something that they didn't know. Claiming to have some exclusive knowledge about God that he's willing to share with them. Put it in perspective, this is like telling somebody with a sweet tooth that you have chocolate in your pocket. Basically, he was, he was teasing them with that claim. He was laying down the road, road, word, road work for, for them to ask more questions. You see, Paul was not shy about sharing about God, but he knew that if he just came at them and told them about God, they weren't going to listen. He had to find a way to get his message across. He did want to tell them about God, but he needed to find a way to get them interested in the conversation in the first place. And by finding that inscription to the unknown God, he found an opportunity to share God with them and to tell them about Jesus Christ. He said, let me share with you about my God, our God, the God who made everything and is above everything. But why was Paul willing to do this? I mean, this must have been very, very difficult for him to stand up in the Oropagus where there was all these philosophers and thinkers, people that had debated each other for years, some of them. Some of them, you know, had been doing this for a very, very long time. And they could take an argument apart in a heartbeat. And Paul was willing to basically make himself vulnerable and expose himself by sharing his faith and telling them about this unknown God and make a case for him being the one true God of the universe. So Paul appealed to them based on what he knew about them and what he knew about God. Paul knew the Athenians were very religious. You don't have that many temples in town unless you believe in something, right? There, there's got to be some search inwardly or outwardly by these Athenians for a higher power, if you will, to use modern terms. Somebody, something outside of themselves to worship, an object of adoration, because he saw all of these temples throughout town. And, you know, when I, when I read that, I wondered, you know, I wonder if somebody coming to visit America would say the same thing about churches. We got one in every corner. Does that make us religious, though? Because that's what he, that's what he used to try to butter them up. He said, I see how religious you are. I've seen all your temples all over town. He recognized that there was, there was a search there. There was something that they were still searching for in their worship. There was still something that was unanswered. And the fact that they had a temple to the unknown God told them that they didn't have all the answers yet that they were searching for. The second thing that Paul knew is that the Athenians had many, many gods. 
The problem was that all their gods had a small g, not a capital G. They had all these deities that were in charge of different aspects or different areas of their life or creation or nature or, you know, the sun god, the, the moon god, the, the god of the harvest, this, the god, that god. And he didn't want to talk about all these little g-gods. He wanted to talk to them about the capital G, capital O, capital D god. The god that was over everything. The only true god that could have a relationship with them. The only god that could talk back when they talked to him. He says, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not like all these idols that you worship that can't talk, that can't give you advice, that can't give you wisdom. This one talks back. He's literally our creator, our redeemer, and wants to be our friend. Paul also wanted them to know that God can be found and known. And this is really important. God wants to be known by us and for us to know him. He wants us to have a relationship that continues to grow as we know more and more about him and who he is and what he's done for us. He wants to be like a parent to us. Paul says, by the way, if God made everything in heaven, on earth, and below the earth, everything we see and everything we can't see, then that makes us his offspring, his children. Because it means he made us. I don't know about you, but my parents made me. That's kind of how offspring works. <coughs> and God made them. And he was basically saying, and let me tell you, he's not an absent parent. He's not a mother that has had a child and abandoned it. He is like a mother hen that when the chicks start trying to scurry away, he spreads out his wings and tries to bring them back to his safety and tries to cover them with his pinions, like the psalm says. Paul explains that even though they don't really know God, God really knows and cares about them. Because whether they realize it or not, they live and move and have their being through him. If God made everything, then that means that our very lives are sustained by God. Our very being here this morning is God's grace for us. And our being able to share his word is God's gift to us. <coughs> Paul says that this is so true that even the poets of their city have written about it. For we too are his offspring. In other words, we are God's children. And in that, God and mothers are alike. Some, sometimes moms know us so well that it's scary. You ever heard the phrase, mom has eyes on the back of her head? What does it really mean? It means that your mom knows you so well, she doesn't even have to be looking to know what you're doing. She doesn't even have to be present in the room to know what you're doing. 
She just needs to know the circumstance and she knows you as her child and therefore she can predict with amazing accuracy what you're going to do. And God knows us in the same way. He knows us like a mother knows her children. And he feels for us like a mother feels for her children. You know, moms worry a lot about their kids. They love them. There's moments they want to kill them. And there are times when they get onto them because they aggravate them. But at the end of the day, mothers have an incredible love for their children. They're their offspring. And the same is true for God. Paul was trying to get the Athenians to understand this. You are God's offspring. He loves you. And therefore, you should not consider all these false idols that you're fashioning out of gold and silver and stone to be real gods. They're the imagination of human beings. He basically was telling them, look, God is so incredible that you couldn't even fashion something adequate enough to represent him. He is so incredible that you could not begin to describe all his love. I was saying earlier in the nine o'clock, if you wrote a thesis about who God is, it would be 500,000 pages long. And at the end of the thesis, you would conclude with the fact, and yet there's more. Because God is so big that our words and descriptions would be inadequate. He's not something that can be fashioned out of gold or silver or stone. And he can't be contained in the shrines made by human hands. And here's one that really is the kicker. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. How many of us understand that? God doesn't need us. We need God. God can do what God wants. God is God. We are the ones that need forgiveness. We are the ones that need grace. We are the ones that need salvation. We're the ones that need healing. We're the ones that struggle with difficulties in life and need somebody to counsel us. We are the ones that need somebody to be our Messiah. We are the ones that need God. God can do all things. Without him, we surely die. Paul invites the Athenians to repent of their ignorance and to turn to God because he tells them that one day God has promised to judge the whole world through one righteous man, his son, Jesus Christ. And you know, it's interesting. He began buttering them up with how religious they were. And then he tells them to repent of their ignorance pointing to the fact that religiousness is not enough for salvation. That just coming to church doesn't get you into heaven. That it is actually our faith in Jesus Christ, our repentance of our sin and our acknowledgement that we need God that actually brings us into God's grace and into God's presence. Paul explained this to the Athenians, but he knew that they needed proof. They needed more. Remember, they loved knowledge, but they also loved signs and wonders and things that showed power. And he says, oh, and by the way, 
the one that God will use to judge the world, he raised them from the dead after three days. If you needed any proof, he was raised after dying and being buried for three days to show that death had no dominion over him or over us anymore. You can almost imagine Paul doing a mic drop after that one. Because what else are you going to say? What else are you going to argue after you hear this? After you hear that God loved you so much that he took on human flesh, died for you, and was raised on the third day. How many of their gods had done anything like this for them? None. None of their gods made of gold or silver or stone had ever lifted a finger to really help them in any way. And he was a God who was personal, who wanted to be close to them, who wanted to love on them, who gave himself up completely for them. Just like a mother does for her children. How many sacrifices have moms done over the years for us? Those that we know and those that we don't know. You know, because I always say that mothers sacrifice more than we will ever know because sometimes they sacrifice in secret. They didn't buy that extra coffee so they could buy you your candy. They forewent, let go of a dream to have a really expensive gift for Christmas so you could have all the toys you asked for. They uh, stayed up late with you, helping you with something that you had to do that was totally your responsibility and that you totally left till the last minute. How many things have mothers done to sacrifice for us? And do we appreciate them? When Paul looked at God and explained God to the Athenians, he was basically saying, the God you have is a God who has skin on the game. He has given himself up for you, and he has done everything to show you that he loves you. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. He came. He lived. He died, and he was raised. That's a pretty cool God, better than any of the gods you guys have. That's what he was saying to them. This is better than anything you guys have. This is better than all of those little gods combined. Because this is a God who is real. Now as Paul shared this with the Athenians, he really didn't explain to them why he was willing to, to do all this, to, to put himself out there, to risk being rejected time and time again in every single town he went for the sake of the gospel, why he was willing to be shipwrecked and stoned and go through all of the things that he went through, being in jail and being imprisoned and being willing to even die for the gospel. But when he wrote the Corinthians, he did explain it. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, Paul explains why he did all the things he did. Why he got up in front of a bunch of strangers and began to share the gospel. He says, I am free and belong to no one, but have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew 
to, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. And to those having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. He explains it right there. He did it knowing that some would reject him, knowing that some would not listen, but hoping to save some by the witness and the testimony that he was sharing about God. I hope we can do the same. I hope we can have God's love for God's children to the degree that we are willing to put our faith out there, to share it with all, hoping to save some for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your incredible love that resembles the love of a mother. I thank you, Lord, because it reminds us that you have given everything for us, that you continue to give us everything we need every single day. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will help us, like Paul, to be bold, to share the gospel in season and out of season, that everywhere we go, when we see somebody who is still seeking after the unknown gods, that we will let them know that the only true God is here and is willing to have a relationship with them. Help us, Lord, to continue to bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to introduce them to Jesus, and to bring them to salvation. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open today. At the end, I'm just going to pray, do a prayer for the mothers, because I think that our mothers always need our prayers. Uh, we're going to pray for them at the end. But if, the, if you want to come up for a prayer, the altar is open right now as we pray together and worship together.
If you're a mother, would you please stand where you are? We're going to pray for you this morning. Stand where you are as we pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these mothers. I thank you, Lord, for all that they've given, all that they continue to give, all the love that they have poured into their children, all the prayers that they have raised before you for their families, all of the things that they have done to build their household. I pray, Lord, that your wisdom will be with them, that you will continue to provide for every one of their needs, that you'll remind them that you love them even more than they love their own children and that they are so perfectly loved by you. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one of them. Help them to be gracious with themselves as you are gracious with us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. 